You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. And as we do every Sunday evening, and certainly during the season, we're going to go around the Locked On Network, which is growing remarkably fast. It brings you your team every day. And if you don't know, we are the number one local sports daily podcast network in the entire world. And we're leading that off with Brad Motter, the host of Locked On Rams, who were very successful and are moving on. Brad, what's going on with you? Oh, man, we are moving on indeed. It was exciting. I actually was at the game. We had a blast walking around into the stadium. A lot of Cowboys fans started to get me a little nervous as we got there. But once everyone packed in and saw those towels waving and the defense really stepped up, that was an experience to remember as a, um, a person living out here in Los Angeles. No, oh, I can imagine. It had to be a blast, too. Um Let's start with the game, of course. I thought Jared Goff played fine. I mean, not bad, not horrible, not great, but, you know, certainly well enough. But it was really the the two-headed running game that was the difference. And Anderson's been a great find. I mean, it, it allows Gurley to kind of ease back into things, and I don't think it's a negative on him that he wasn't the true bell cow. But it was the O-line. I mean, to me, the whole story of this whole game was the Rams' offensive line. Yeah, that O-line was on a different level. They talked about it after the game. Sullivan, the center, kind of talked about how they'd watched on film some of the tendencies that the Cowboys were doing, and and they knew what was kind of coming and was able to kind of shift their fronts in their favor. Okay. They felt that they had out-schemed them in this game from the get-go. Uh, you could see the way. I mean, C.J. Anderson, I think he had eight rushes of 10 yards or more. I mean, he was just in control. What a pickup for the Rams. Three games. Three times over 100 yards, five touchdowns. This guy's been a monster coming in. He's tough to tackle. And that first cut, I mean, he looks like a big bowling ball out there. But he can find that first cut and get upfield, and he's tough to tackle. So the combination of Anderson and Gurley is almost reminding me of what we saw last year uh, when the Saints kind of went with Kamara and Ingram, and that worked so well for them. So hopefully this is something that they can continue to do because in the podcast all week we were talking about run the ball. Run the ball. Mm-hmm. We can get to at least 30 attempts. We're going to be super excited about that. They got to 48 and 273 yards on the ground. Yeah, it was amazing. And a couple things just to expand on that. You mentioned how they you know, prepared for this Dallas defense, which is sort of a predictable one. But I thought they got great blocking a- angles to the second level. Really neutralized Van Der Esch, Lee, Smith. Um, didn't allow them to run and use their great speed and range. Uh, I thought that was really, really well done. And just one more C.J. Anderson note. I'm not making fun of the guy because I got no room to no room to talk. <laughs> but he's he's looks a little rounder than I remember. Yeah, I think it's a, you know he's rolling with it. He actually had a <laughs> he shirt on after the, yeah he had a shirt on after the game, and I think it said like chubby or cuddly. It was like the definition <laughs> of a big soft person, and he's going with the whole theme of. Hey, I know I'm a big guy, but it's worked for me at this point, especially, you know, with the Rams. He's got a very big chip on his shoulder, uh, and we're excited that he's on our team right now. And kind of one more note, as you were talking about that offensive line, there's a couple plays kind of reviewing the game again where Whitworth got two blocks on that big Todd Gurley 35-yard touchdown run, able to get up the field, first throw someone down, then get up to that second level you talked about. Big box from the offense line. They were really motivating this game because everyone kind of had them as a liability coming into this game. So Whitworth went to Twitter afterwards and, and kind of shout out uh, 
uh, Booger with the Monday Night Crew and kind of said, like, what do you got now? Because that was one of the top <laughs> uh, complaints he had coming into this week. So uh, the Rams were motivated, and that O-line, you really talked about it. And then on the other side, that D-line, not allowing them to run the gate run the ball at all, was another huge factor of this game. Yeah, that's where I was going next, of course, was – I mean, if I told you the Rams got upset, we probably would have said, well, Elliott went for 150 and, you know, Goff's on the sideline the whole time. Just 47 rushing yards for, no offense to Gurley, I think Zeke is the best runner in the league. Yeah, he had nowhere to go. I think that was the big problem. When he gets free, you're right, he's a dangerous guy in the open field, but uh, he never got free. And from the very first snap, uh, it was Indomitian Sue in the backfield tackle for loss. Uh, they were kind of out to set it from the get-go. And the other big complaint from Booger McFarland we talked about earlier was that Rams rush D. And I think they took it yeah. to heart as well. Like we said, only 47 for Elliott, uh, 2.3 average. He ran against eight in the box a lot, but they basically dared them to do it, uh, try to find other ways to beat us, and it just didn't happen. Obviously, Cooper had a decent game with six catches and that touchdown. But other than that, he was basically neutralized. Uh, and the Rams basically said, you're going to have to beat us, Dak, and he couldn't do it. No, that's a good point. And you mentioned Amakong Su because that's funny because that's my next note here to bring up to you was that's the best I can remember him playing in a Rams uniform. I thought he was exceptional. And the pass rush wasn't great for L.A., but it was enough. And if he's playing at that level, I mean, look out. I mean, this is kind of what we thought about, a lot of us thought about in the preseason was, wow, they added Sue. Can you believe that? If he's playing at this level, man, that could be pay, really pay off. Yeah, he definitely was playing at an elite level, and it's about time. We've been yeah, kind of I bet you're frustrated. him to get here. Uh, he ended up leading the way with the Rams as far as a pro football focus grade with oh, 80.5. Yeah, he, he generated four quarterback pressures, two defensive stops. Uh, those four quarterback pressures were the most he's had since week 16 and the sixth time this season that he's had at least four in a single game. So... Uh, he did a great job, and, and really against the grunt, uh, really against the run, he had an 88.2 defensive grade against the run. Uh, so yes, it was about time for this guy to kick in. We've been kind of calling for his name, and we're going to need him again because mm-hmm. Donald there gets so much attention on him. So he's got to be able to make those one-on-one plays when he has those opportunities. He really was able to feed off the crowd and really make some big plays. He got in it early, and I think that was important for him because when he kind of gets beat early in the game, gets a little tired, you see the effort start to go a little bit. This time he was engaged the whole way, and you could tell with the results. Yeah, and while you brought up Sue, I just wanted a quick side note here. I mean, you think he's back? Oh, oh. That's going to be tough, man. Especially Brockers on board. Yeah, I honestly, I think they've got a lot of movement on their defense coming up. they got a lot of young guys. I think they have some other needs to go to and paying him what they're going to have to pay him to go a couple more years. I mean, this is what he's on 12, $14 million deal right now. Uh, I don't see it, but if he goes on some crazy run in the playoffs and kind of puts his, uh, you know, statement onto this team, as far as where he fits in defensively, you never know. The Rams have been throwing money at a lot of people. So I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a big push, but I really don't see it. I think he is where we can kind of move on and really improve our roster elsewhere, maybe an edge rusher to kind of put some more pressure and help Donald out. Yeah, I mean, all that was well said about that game, a great game. Um, I'm sure you are watching Eagle Saints with bated breath, too. I mean, uh, for just pulling back the curtain, we're we're not going to have anyone on from that game. We're not going to have the host of Locked on Eagles or Saints on today. 
But did you have a preference watching? I'm sure you'd rather host <laughs> the Eagles. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think once you got into the Coliseum and you got to feel that experience and you got to see the crowd get into it on those fourth downs, yes, there was a lot of Cowboys fans, uh, but but it was still Rams heavy when they needed it. That place was still rocking. Uh, in a couple of years when they open that new stadium, I think it's going to be a non-issue really. But uh, yeah, of course, I wanted that extra home game of redemption against both these teams. So that could be played either way. But uh, Eagles coming in, having a home game would have been nice. That would have been their third time here in two years. They did win the previous two, but it would have been nice to get a chance at them. But hey, we go back to the Dome, a game that if you look back to that, uh, we end up losing by 10. So if you look at the score, but we came all the way back. I think we were down to, uh, you know, 14, 17 points, something like that. Come all the way back to tie it and then really just kind of, uh, you know, drop the ball in the fourth quarter with about six minutes to go. So they're excited to go back down there. The Rams have played over the last couple of years under Sean McVay extremely well on the road. So that is not an issue for me. Yes, I know the Dome can get loud, but look at the Eagles. They came out to a hot start today, 14 points in the first quarter. They just couldn't do anything after that. So uh, the Rams got to do what they did now. They got to take control of the ball. They got to run the ball. They've got to make sure that Drew Brees doesn't have, you know, eight to 10 to 12 possessions, kind of keep the ball on our side, let our defense make big plays because our defense is really great, great. We're going to give up yards and we're going to give up some points, but make those big plays, win the turnover battle. And there's a chance for these guys uh, down in the dome. Oh, there's definitely a chance. And I, I think it's going to be a blast to watch. I mean, I would expect there's going to be a lot of points kind of has that Chiefs-Rams Monday night feel that uh, it's going to be tough to get stops. But you mentioned it too. I mean, if Peters, Tlaib, Sue, Donald can get a big play or two, that might be the bounce you need. Yeah, they scored 80 points in the first matchup. So, you know, only a few touchdowns away from matching that Monday nighter against the Chiefs. And that AFC battle is going to be a good one too. I mean, the way that New England came out and scored. So uh, maybe these these divisional or these championship rounds are going to get really exciting with some back and forth offense. But I love our chance. I love that we're still in the tournament. I think that's the biggest thing is the Rams are still in it. They're still kicking. A lot of people doubting them. I think they're going to get a lot more doubt this week. I like playing the underdog. Uh, the Rams seem to kind of like that too. So uh, great matchup coming up. I can't wait to do the crossover this week and, and talk more about it with uh, the Locked On Saints. So make sure to check that out as well yeah. uh, when we do that on Wednesday. Yeah, I'm going to talk, tell you guys about my bookie here in a minute. But last thing I just want to bring up is, you know, both these games are interesting because you have the the young up-and-coming quarterback with the high-flying offense going against the Hall of Fame all-time great quarterback that's been there, done it. Do you have any concerns about golf on such a stage? Uh, you know, I think you taught, you opened this up and said Goff had an okay game, a yeah. game that was not braggable, but a game that wasn't going to lose him the game. And I really, I would love to continue that recipe, you know, continue. Yeah, you'll take that. Hope, yeah, and hope that if he can perform one way or the other, just tilted, it, it's a little bit better. Maybe he throws a couple touchdown passes, starts to get comfortable. But we've seen him in a lot of big games, even talking about that Chiefs Monday nighter, making some throws on a dime. Uh, in pressure situations, that fourth quarter throw to Gerald Everett down the sideline was one of beauty. There's a couple, if you pick out that Thursday night game early in the year versus Minnesota, where he put it on a rope. So I'm not really too concerned about it, but I have seen some inaccuracies from him, and I've seen a little bit of him kind of trying to make the play a little bit. So it depends on what golf we get, but I would love a, another 40 uh, rushing attempts type game, get a couple guys over 100 again, and let Jared Goff do what he did well throughout this whole season, which is play off the play action, 
move the football down the field, take some shots because you got to do that, especially uh, with that Saints secondary. You got to oh, yeah. you know take some chances down the field, and you're not going to win this thing seven to three. So move the football. Uh, I'm, I feel good with where I'm at, but I could also see where you know it may get to him. But I, I have pretty, I have some good confidence in Jared Goff. Yeah, maybe the former Saint Brandon Cooks breaks their back with a couple long ones. There you go. I like the sign of that. <laughs> Brad, thanks so much. Where can everyone find you? And then we're gonna. And then I want to tell everyone about my bookie. So, um, besides awesome. Locked On Rams, what else are you up to? Yeah, check us out at Rams Podcast. We do a, uh, an hour long show there as well. You can per- find my personal la underscore rambling bear on Twitter, and then Locked On Rams. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook group. We got it all. Come find us. Interact with us. Uh, listen, this is going to be a fun week of content. And then moving on, hopefully we've got a Super Bowl to talk about soon. Yeah, that'd be a blast for you guys. And uh, they're absolutely a fun team. I can't wait for that game, even though this weekend just ended. Brad, you're the man. Thanks so much. All right, take it easy. Folks, as you know, the NFL playoffs are here. And it's time to get into the action with my bookie. I've been telling you about these guys forever. Don't be that guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends sit around watching game after game. Not this year, man. The 53rd Super Bowl is right around the corner. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. There's no doubt about that. There's so much to bet on at MyBookie right now, too. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win. Ownership really cares about good customer service. And they offer the craziest props. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money during bowl season, you got to go to MyBookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Go check them out for yourself. Like I said, they got... Hockey, they got basketball, college basketball, all kinds of great stuff to bet on. So what you do is you join now and MyBookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the bowl season. Again, that's free money, folks. Use our promo code LOCKEDON25 when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON25, LOCKEDON25, all one word. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, we are back, and not to play favorites around the Locked On Network, but my man Mark Schofield from Locked On Patriots is pretty darn high on my list, and I think you're going to get very used to hearing him in the offseason. He's got a great uh, take on the Patriots, as all the hosts do with their teams across the network, of course. But Mark also is all over the rest of the league as well, particularly quarterback evaluations and we're going to get to him in one second, but there's one thing I've been meaning to tell you about in this podcast. It slipped my mind. But if you have a smart speaker, this is something you really got to do is start using, tell it to play the podcast, Locked On NFL. I mean, just start using that. We're very smart speaker friendly nowadays. So, Mark, what is up, man? How are you? Matt, it's fantastic to be here with you. And, you know, what was probably a little, I don't want to say boring, but a little bit of a, you know, not as exciting weekend of NFL football. At least we got a good finish in the final game. So it was good to see that Saints-Eagles game sort of come down to the wire because some of the other games didn't really sort of live up to, I think, the you know, the pre-week hype. Yeah, and to be honest, uh, it's kind of why I brought you in the way I did because this was a lopsided you know, contest. I didn't see that coming. I thought it would be a very even game. I thought the Patriots had some tactical advantages, but I didn't see a blowout coming. I mean, you didn't either, did you? No, I mean, I thought no. this was a 23-20 type game. I thought 
you know, with some of the things that the Chargers are able to do on the defensive side of the ball, the way they can get after you with four, sometimes get after you with five. They don't blitz a ton. You know, what's the so-called blueprint on beating Brady? It's getting pressure with four and, you know, being able to drop seven and do some different things in the coverages in the secondary. But, you know, the Patriots, Josh McDaniels, to his credit, I think, put together a perfect offensive game plan. They use some power run stuff to run at that, you know, six, seven defensive back package the Chargers have been using. They did some great stuff working off of play action some you know cross wide cross type designs with Edelman and the Patriots defense you know and this is a talk about flipping the script you could make the case Matt that of the four teams left standing the New England Patriots might have the best defense at least right now and it's probably Mm. better than their offense and could you imagine saying that about a Tom Brady led team at any time in the past couple of seasons well I'm glad you brought that up because I Obviously, these things just happened, and the, like you said, to pull back the curtain, the Saints just advanced. That just happened, so they just wrapped up. Maybe New Orleans is better, but I mean, I think I would rank the defenses Patriots first. However, and I didn't plan on going down this road, but I'm glad he did. The Rams and the Chiefs, I would say, have more playmakers, particularly yeah. pass rushers in Kansas City, and New Orleans probably fits that bill too. But in terms of coaching, scheme, not allowing big plays, trustability, New England's got to be one. Yeah, the, the interesting thing I think to watch this week, Matt, is there's sort of been a home away split with that Chiefs defense. You know, you look at yeah. what they've done at home. They've been better. Now, what I'm curious to see with them. Is this this is this a situation of they're actually just that much better at home or is it a function of who they've played at home? Because, yeah, they got the Niners with Garoppolo before he could hurt. But then you're talking about them getting Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Denver, Arizona. Yes, Baltimore in that game that Baltimore almost won. Yes, the Chargers in a game that the Chargers won. But then closing out the season with Oakland at home and that Indy offense struggled at times on Saturday. So I think it's going to be a nice little test for them this weekend if they are that good at home they'll have to show it against Tom Brady and company. Yeah, yeah, and we're, we'll get to that in a minute. I just want to rewind and a couple little notes from this victory over the Chargers. Very impressive, obviously. I think the bye did them a lot of good. You know, Gronkowski in particular. It's been a grind on the Chargers, and it kind of looked like, you know, New England was clearly the fresher team. All these road games, early starts, I kind of felt like the Chargers had had enough, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Rivers yeah, old I bones. Mean- you know, that, that's tough back-to-back weeks yeah. coming east, back-to-back weeks for the 1 p.m. start on the East Coast, so you're basically playing two morning games back-to-back. That's really Baltimore's tough. A physical you know, team. I mean, Baltimore's Rivers a physical team. Yeah. And, and Rivers got knocked around again today. I mean, he was limping, you know, for most of the, you know, the second half or at least most of the fourth quarter because he had taken a ton of shots, and that, that wears on you. And to add to that, the fact that it was like 27 felt like seven, you know, probably not favorable conditions for anybody, you know, get knocked around like Rivers did, that's going to, like you said, it's going to wear you down. Yeah, yeah, and it wouldn't shock me, and I'm not making an excuse for Rivers, but it wouldn't shock me if um, Rivers is getting his knee cleaned up on Tuesday, you know, something like that, because the last month has not been kind to him. No, it hasn't, and and you saw that in some of their games, you know, their game against Baltimore, um, even their game against, you know, Kansas City, you know, some pressure would get to him, you saw a lot of underthrows, you saw a lot of sort of back foot throws today, it was one of those games where if you're sort of that proponent of pressure equals production, where you don't have to sack a guy, you can still influence a play, this was kind of your game, this is the real you want to show people when you make that case, because the Patriots, they didn't sack Rivers a ton, but they pressured him, I think, on 56% of his dropbacks, which is a pretty high number yeah yeah you're right 
And a couple schematic things on both sides of the ball that really obviously worked in the Pats' favor. Short, controlled passing game by Brady. Something I talked about on Friday was, yeah, it was really impressive by the Chargers that their seven defensive back package did so well. But the the Patriots are going to come out with Devlin and beat on this team. And we mentioned that they weren't the freshest defense to begin with. Yeah. And, you know, this is a Patriots offense that has taken on a couple of different sort of, you know, personalities over the past season, because there there are times when they'll go 11 personnel and they'll spread you out a bit. They'll go empty and put James White out or they'll put White and Devlin out in some two running back packages. But they also like to go 21. They like to have Devlin as a lead blocker. They really sort of trust him. And you saw some of that trust on short yardage situations today. They'll give him the ball. You know, they trust him to not fumble or anything like that. So, you know, this is a Patriots offense that over the years has been we're going to find a way to beat you we'll do it some different ways and this year a lot of the time it's been relying on that ground game running behind Devlin with Michelle and White do you think when they drafted Michelle and an offensive lineman with first round picks we should have kind of seen the writing on the wall you know that not that boy we're done now or anything obviously they're not they're in the AFC championship but you let Cooks go Teams tell us what they're thinking by personnel is what I'm saying. You let Cooks go, you draft an offensive lineman, you draft a running back, and we all kind of scratch our heads going, why would Belichick draft a running back? Well, Brady's not young and needs this ground game. Yeah, no, no, that's a great point, Matt, particularly the one about how teams tell you how they view themselves, what they mm-hmm. do personnel-wise. And I think the drafting of Michelle, the drafting of Wynn, tells you two things. One, they understand that you know with Brady where he is right now, they might need to rely on the ground game. And it tells you that they're anticipating quarterback after Brady. That too, you know, right. That's the thing Big where picture. if you get to break somebody in, a rookie, a second-year type guy, you know, in the next year or two, you're going to want a solid offensive line and a ground game you can rely on at times to take some pressure off of them so this was a you don't want josh did. rosen situation <laughs> right know? exactly right. yeah to have some weapons around him and a way to convert the ball, you know a third and three situation that doesn't ask him to do something crazy and so this was a move made for a twofold purpose of not just right now but life after brady yeah it's a great call um switching the other side of the ball what we saw today you kind of mentioned it they came after rivers i mean his guard play has been poor the right tackle play has been poor we know he's not the most mobile taking a lot of hits yes you know lately and he took more and more today yeah, and one of the things that the Patriots did that I was looking for, you know, when you we were watching that Chargers team the past couple of weeks, when they go to that sort of amoeba or radar package where they kick Trey Flowers, their best edge rusher, mm-hmm. their best pass rusher inside, they used to put him head up on the center. This week, you saw more of him head up on right guard Michael Schofield, who had had some protection problems over the past couple of weeks. And so they used him to attack that weak spot right there. They got some pressure on him. You know, Flowers... He's if if the Patriots don't pay him, somebody's going to back up the Brinks truck because you saw him all over the field today. He was moving Rivers off his spot. And the other thing that they did, you know, when they usually play mobile quarterbacks, they're all about that mush rush, contain, get out the edges, keep them in the pocket. This was let's get pressure inside, move Rivers off his spot and make him uncomfortable. And you saw it on their first offensive play. They basically went zero blitz and you saw an overthrow. There were a lot of opportunities that they had downfield, but Rivers was moved off of his spot and couldn't make perfect throws. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Flowers because I just got off the off the horn with Brad Mater and the Rams, and we talked about Namakong Sue, and I asked, "What's the chances he's back? What, what do you think the chances Flowers is back? He's gonna make a lot, maybe he's a franchise tag lot. guy." Maybe a franchise-type wow. tag guy situation because yeah. when you look at what they've been able to do with him, he's been a big part of their pressure packages this year. Just you know, imagine thing, without him. 
That's right. Yeah. Know, but, you know, when you, when you look at how the Patriots do business, you look at guys like Jamie Collins and guys like Chandler Jones. They know that if the big payday is coming, they'd rather move on and get what they can kind of thing. So, you know, I, I, if it were me, I would pay the man his money. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've said that on my show and on Twitter and elsewhere, but the Patriots and Bill Belichick do things different ways. They might look at the guys that they have, you know, coming into the fold, like a Dietrich Wise, who they like, like a Keontae Davis, who they like. They, you know, they signed John Simon. He made some plays today. You know, they still like Derek Rivers, that kid that they drafted in third round last year. So they might say, look, we're going to put money elsewhere. Go ahead. You know, you've earned your payday. You might have to go get it somewhere else. Yeah, I just wanted my audience, and I'm, I know your audience knows this, but I wanted my audience to really know how important and how good a player Flowers is and how yeah. sought after he would be if he was a true free agent. I mean, I mean, you saw man. a play where he, you know, strong arm the center today and just shoved him to the ground and in, basically into Rivers' lap. You know, he, he's got the ability to off-arm you. He's got the ability to convert speed to power on the outside and run the arc. I mean, he's got a full complement of pass rushing moves and you can slide him all over your defensive front. He's the prototypical, you know, pass rush productive type player that you need in today's NFL. Yeah, you move them all do, do as, yep. as Belichick always does, ask him to do a lot of things yep. and you know of course he fits all those molds. Another patriot that I bet 5% of my audience knows who he is. JC Jackson. Please enlighten the national community about JC Jackson. JC Jackson is a guy that should have got drafted or if it weren't for some off the field stuff coming out of the University of Maryland, which is basically in my backyard. You know, mm, I yeah. really liked him coming out of Maryland. He's a kid that, look, he's become their number two corner. There was that big question this offseason, who are they going to put opposite Steve, Stephon Gilmore with, you know, Malcolm Butler moving on. They've basically put him out there and said, look, you are the guy now opposite Stephon Gilmore. And Matt, you know this, when these, you know, Patriots and the Steers locked horns a couple of weeks ago, it was J.C. Jackson who got the, you know, task of, you know, covering Juju Smith-Schuster. And he did a pretty good job in that game. You know, he's somebody that has a a very short memory you know he'll get beat but he'll come back he'll get beat he'll recover i mean that breakup he made at the end of the game that set the stage for new england's final drive against pittsburgh he got beat on that play but didn't give up and made a play at the catch point and so this is you know new england has a you know this knack for finding undrafted talent particularly in the defensive backfield they did it with malcolm butler they i think they've done it again with jc jackson this kid can play yeah he can it's quite defined um, all right, I'm going to take a little nostalgia chat turn here, and this is Brady's 16th division title. I mean, that's unbelievable. And I just want my audience to know this. I don't know if you know this because some, some of my folks on Twitter, my followers on Twitter, dug this up for me. That a lot of people say, "Yeah, the Patriots, the, the three teams in their division are junk. They should win their division every year." But 16 division titles for one quarterback. And I wanted to throw this stat out just so people know. Since 2003, they're 71 and 19 in the AFC East. That's awesome, obviously. That's a 788 winning percentage. What do you think what do you think their winning percentage is outside the AFC East? I, I don't know it exactly, but I know where you're going with this, Matt, because yeah. I've made this sort of similar argument. It's pr- I think it's better than that. It's almost exact, down to the okay. hundredth. They're both 79% winning percentage more or less. It's a, it's identical. I mean, it says yeah. a lot. I mean, it, no it, team in the league destroys people outside their division like the Patriots. 
Right. And, you know, a, a lot of people do sort of point to the fact that, look, you've had years where the Jets have been bad or the Bills have been bad no or doubt. the Dolphins have been bad. And certainly it, it does help when you yeah. get, you know, those six games, you get a chance to sort of beef up the, the record a bit. And particularly this year when people look at the Chargers having to come east twice, even though they got a better record, they think it's a bit unfair. And I can understand where people are coming from. But they do take care of their business outside the division as yeah. well. Look, they've been good for an extended period of time when you're talking about them being 11 and 5, 12 and 4, 14 and 2. You have seasons like that, you're going to have the same kind of winning percentage outside the AFC East as you do inside of it. And like you said, the numbers sort of bear it out. Yeah, they do. Stay on this trend. For those of you that don't realize, this is the eighth AFC championship in a row for the Patriots. I mean, just take two seconds and think about that. If your favorite team went was a Final Four team eight years in a row, I mean, some of you might not have been watching football for eight years. I mean, you may only, like my son, who's 12, doesn't know a world where the where the Patriots don't go to the AFC Championship. It's unbelievable. It's it's incredibly unbelievable. It sort of speaks to the ability of Bill Belichick as a head coach to make sure his teams are playing the best football when it matters the most. He always says, look, season doesn't start until after Thanksgiving. You know, if you start 5-0, and 6-0, and that's great. But tell me how you're playing. Show me how you're playing the game when it gets to be December and January. And that's when the Patriots sort of always seem each year to turn the corner, to find their identity. And this year, it's been mostly on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they're very good defense right now and like we talked about earlier their defense might be better than their offense and the way the offense is playing and so you know that's what they've done over this run of you know success it's that ability to find who you are as a team and hone that in and lock that in as you get into the postseason obviously a huge test coming up for them we know what Patrick Mahomes and company can do they can hand 45 on you in the blink of an eye and they put 40 on New England in Gillette back in week six and so Obviously, a huge test ahead of them, but yeah, to get to eight straight AFC Championship games, you know, sixteen division titles, you know, it's an incredible run of success. That I keep telling Patriots fans on my show, enjoy it because look, at some point we will be wandering the desert of football mediocrity. So enjoy this run while it lasts. Yeah, and here's the last one. This is Tom Brady, and of course Belichick has so much to do with this. This is his thirteenth AFC Championship game. Thirteenth. I mean. To me, someone's texted me and said, that's how many playoff games the Lions have gone to in the Super Bowl era. You know, this is his 13th AFC Championship game. And I put this out on Twitter that I think that's the most impressive feat in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I I saw you tweet that out. Jerry Rice, more than, I mean, anything that's ever happened. Yeah, because when you when you think about the error that he's doing that in, yeah. you know, the error of parity, the error of the salary cap and player movement and, you know, obviously, you know, six teams making the playoffs each year and things like that to have, again, this like 13 AFC championship games, eight straight, all the accolades that they've done as a team. Again, it sort of shows you just how impressive their run has been because you can't, you know, uh, imagine in this sort of era of manufactured parity, which things like the salary cap do, you know, another team putting this together. But the Patriots have done it. You know, part of it is Brady, part of it is Belichick. But the package together between the two of them is something unlike we've we've never seen something like this before. And we might never see it again. Right. And the, the quarterback you guys are going to face, Patrick Mahomes, we all think the world of him. I mean, if we oh, had first yes. pick in the draft, we're all taking Mahomes to start our team around. But if I told you Pat Mahomes is going to be 
and, and just an NFL starting quarterback for 13 years, you'd say, wow, that's pretty good. Let alone 13 AFC championships games. I mean, just being a starter that long is hard to do. Yeah, yeah it, it truly is. And, you know, when you look at Mahomes, Ed, we certainly think sitting here right now that he could have a string of success that might be no unparalleled, right. you know, with the numbers and the video game type stats and things like that. But there's also been situations where we thought that about previous quarterbacks. A prime example is Dan Marino. You know, mm-hmm. people thought when Marino was putting up those huge numbers and he got to a Super Bowl early in his career against the 49ers, people thought, well, okay, he lost this one, but he'll be back. And he never got there. Right. You know, I mean, 13 months sort of, ago, I said about Carson Wentz. Now everyone right. wants to kill me for so liking Wentz. Right. <laughs> and, you know, this game can be fickle. So when you have a chance to, you know, seize that kind of moment, you got to take it by the horns. Because if you don't, unless you're the Patriots, you might not get back there. And so, you know, I, I can't wait to see Mahomes and his career unfold. I think he's going to do fantastic things. Obviously, as the host of Locked on Patriots and a Patriots fan, I hope that his Super Bowl runs start maybe next year. Yeah, I hear you. Um, all right, we're going to wrap this up. And like I said, you are somewhat of a, a quarterback guru connoisseur. Give me a thumbnail, a basic, maybe something that the average fan wouldn't realize about Mahomes. The thing about Mahomes is the mental side of it. And, you know, when he was coming out of Texas Tech, people thought, look, air raid system, the offense wasn't that complex. He wasn't asked to do a ton. Well, if you dig in a little deeper into that offense that he was running under Cliff Kingsbury, there was a lot to it, option routes, conversions, and things like that. Air raid systems have all that stuff built in. He was doing some, you know, protection checks at the line and things like that. And then when you watch him make throws, there's the other mental aspect to it in terms of ball placement, because let's face it, the kid can put the football wherever he wants to. And so when he throws it to a shoulder, you might be thinking that that pass looks off. He's doing it for a reason, whether it's, it's a coverage, yeah. whether it's a, pl- uh, you know, a, a player rotating the leverage the defender has over his target he's putting throws into a spot for a reason because he has the talent to do it and so that mental side of him not just the x's and o's but the leverage and knowing where to place throws that's something that you know it's hard to teach and that's something the patriots are going to have their hands full with this week yeah that's something the brady's do that recognize you know the 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 not guys have started 18 games or whatever are supposed to do guys in their second year yeah Yeah. and sir you mentioned him at Texas Tech. I think people didn't realize how bad his offensive line was there, too. I mean, he yeah, had I mean, he was he was running for his life at times. Um, he had, you know, the, the, like you said, the protection up front for, was minimal, um, but he was still making the kinds of throws now, and and part of that might help him right now because it allowed right. him. It sort of taught him the okay, I'll survival. Have to, yeah, survival number one, and you know, dropping the arm angle and things like that mm-hmm. that were wowing over now. He learned that at Texas Tech because of the situation he was in. Yeah, and his baseball background helped too. They interviewed him before the game, talking about right. being a shortstop and you know how to get the ball out in all the different ways on the move and all that kind of stuff. And you absolutely see it. Mark, you're the man. Um, tell everyone Twitter and where to find you. I have a feeling we're going to be chatting a lot here in the coming months, and I really look forward to it. I look forward to it as well, Matt. It's always a blast to be with you. You do such a great job on this show, day in, day out. You just crush it all the time. As for me, you can find me on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. You can check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, The Score, uh, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, Big Blue View, part of the SB Nation family websites. But the easiest way, like I said, at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Good stuff, man. 
Folks, that is a wrap. We've got a normal locked-on NFL schedule for the remainder here. I'm not sure how much longer that schedule will maintain itself. I mentioned Mark Schofield. I plan on bringing him on regularly in the offseason. Um, but that's a wrap. Spread the word. Um, we will have Mike Renner on. Well, so Sage, and then we'll have Mike Renner. Then we'll have Sando. Then I'll pick the two games. Um, so that's a wrap, guys. Very fun stuff, as always. Over and out.